Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yanyan. Today is the second day of 10 things I wish that they would have taught me when I was in Bible school. This not only applies to Bible school students, but anybody that works in a church, because you can actually learn more working in a church than you do in a Bible school, because a Bible school can tell you how to put sermons together, but that's a piece of cake. Learning to work with people is another thing. So that's what we're going to talk about today. All the helps you can get, getting to know other ministers, dealing with people in the congregation, talking to them, or standing up when people oppose you, but doing it in love. All those things we're going to teach today. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Great to have you here today. I began a two-part series yesterday talking about uh, 10 things I wish I had been taught in Bible school. I teach at CBC, Karis Bible College, and uh, after about 10 or 11 years, they uh, put out a piece of paper, sent it to the students. They asked them to send back 10 things they wish they had been taught in Bible school. And it's amazing what happened was is that almost all of them had the same premise to them. You didn't tell me how to handle people. I was not prepared how to handle people. I knew how to put a sermon together. I knew how to exegete. I knew how to lay out the scriptures. I knew how to compare. I knew what books to read and all this. And when you get into the ministry and actually into the church, what you find out is putting a sermon together is pretty much easy compared to learning how to handle people. That's why, again, I admonished you yesterday and admonished you today, and that is to get involved in a church while you are going to Bible school. Isn't it interesting? The place where most people get the call to the ministry is in church. They're working in church. They're standing there helping people. And all of a sudden it begins to dawn on them, begins to become the realization, I'm called to this. They teach a Sunday school class. They work with the elders in the church. They work with people all around them and they see what's going on in the church and they get a call to the ministry. And then they go to Bible school and don't go to church. What's wrong with that? It's like you left the thing that God called you while he called you when you were in church and then you get, separate yourself from that and expect just to walk back in after two or three years of Bible school just pick up where you left off, but now become the pastor. No, what God is wanting is in the school, what you learn gets applied in the church. Now, listen to me carefully. Some of you may not go to Bible school. You still feel a call into the ministry inside of yourself, but you don't have the money to go to Bible school. That's quite all right. You can learn just as much, except for maybe how to put sermons together, by attending a church, because the major thing God wants you to do is learn how to handle people, learn how to work with people, because you're molding and shaping them to become the next evangelists and pastors and missionaries around the world. And this is what God is looking for. The students that came from, from Rhema Bible Training Center in, in Tulsa, where I was pastoring and attended our church, told me later on when they went out to start churches, I learned more in the local church than I did in Bible school. Well, you learn more of the daily operations with people in the church because that can't be taught in a Bible school. You'd be there for umpteen years trying to learn everything if every class taught you how to handle people because no two people are the same and no two classes would be the same. And it would take forever to go through. And by the time you did get out, you'd forget all that was taught in the beginning. The only way to learn how to handle people is just handle people. Become a greeter, become an usher. And oftentimes students would tell me this, well, I know that, but you know what? I think I'd just rather attend church on Sunday. You attend class all week long. Why would you want to sit in another service? And that's all you do. What the church needs is for you to become greeters and ushers and Bible school students, those studying for the ministry, become the absolute best at that. That's what you're going to be doing. You say, yeah, but you know, the church is pretty good size. They've got plenty of ushers. 
I'll tell you this, I pastored for 33 years. We never had enough ushers. We never had enough greeters. We never had enough children's workers. We never had enough youth workers. All these different things. You know why? Because the ones that got in and got involved were eventually called off into ministry because it's while you're working in those positions that God calls you into the ministry. So again, we come back to it. Get involved in a church while you're going to Bible school. Take what you learn in Bible school, apply it over here. And then what you learn over here, you'll come back to school and you'll see a whole new side of it you never did because you're having to deal with people. The book that we're offering for this is called Calling and Separation. And again, if you have a call to the ministry, there's going to come a time when you're going to be separated and God wants you to know that. So I wrote this in this book, between your calling and your separation comes faithfulness to just get involved with the things of God. Then I've got another book. When you do order that one, that's great. But you know what? If you're already in the ministry, and especially if you're in, in church work, pastor, associate, uh, involved in the different oversights of the church. I have another book called God's Word to Pastors. And what I'm teaching here is one chapter of this book. And again, it will tell you these things. So I would invite you, once you order Calling and Separation, then be sure and get a copy of this book also, God's Word to Pastors, because it'll be a blessing for you. So look it up in the website and find it and order it. You'll be glad you got it. This is everything I taught to pastors all put in one book. So again, that's a great blessing. We've been through five questions. I'm not gonna re-go through those, but let's start with number six today. Someone should have told me there are mean people in the church. Look, I was prepared to deal with critics. That's the reality of any leadership position, but I never expected a few of the members to be so mean and cruel. One church member put something really cruel on my Facebook wall. Both my wife and children cried when they read it. Man, I wish I could say this was just unique to this situation, but you know what? There's mean people in churches. There's carnal people in churches. It seemed like, you know, that this is they are the way they are in life, but it just gets amplified when they come to church. They want to take over everything. They've got better ideas than you do. And most of them tell you, in my business, in my business, in my business, this is the way we do it. This is not a business. People are not parts. I had one pastor tell me one time, he said he had one man on the church board that ran a car parts store. And he said, every time they'd run to a problem, he says, now in my car parts store, in my car parts store, and he said, finally, I got so upset with him. I looked him right in the face and said, people are not mufflers and people are not brake pads. He went down the list of things and said, this is not what people are. You don't stick them on a shelf and move them over here. He said, these are people with feelings. These are people bound for heaven. These are people that have problems in their life and we're not gonna treat them that way because church is not over all of business. There's business aspects to churches, but ministry and church is dealing with people and helping mold them spiritually to pass on Jesus Christ here and be prepared when they go to heaven. So again, it comes back to it. Sometimes you have to put people in their place and oftentimes in love, you can deal with them and this is how the Bible tells us we're supposed to do it. So again, like he said, I was not prepared to deal with critics. The reality of leadership position, I never expected a few of the members to be so mean and cruel. And throughout the word of God, there were mean and cruel people. Paul talked about them, people that deserted him, people that stood and, re and rebelled against him and people he thought were with him were really against him. And this is what you find in church. There were people I thought were with me in the church and were working behind my back. One couple 
that Lorette and I went out with for a, probably a year and a half or so. We're wonderful people. We finally found some people we can go out because finding friends in a church that you can hang around with and are not trying to manipulate you or they, they put you on a pedestal and they almost worship. You just want somebody you can go to a movie with. You want somebody you go out to eat with and talk about you know children stuff. And they get shocked when they find out you don't talk about Jesus 24 hours a day. And you don't talk about scripture 24. You actually have a life to live. And some of them get discouraged with that because they think that you're the fourth member of the Godhead. But we found a couple that we thought overall were great. And I didn't know it till almost a year and a half into it because he kept bringing up things about the church once in a while. I'd tell him no. And I said, and besides that, you know, we're here to be out as friends and go, okay. But after a year and a half, he kept pressing and pressing. And finally, one day he let me know that the entire reason they became friends with us is he wanted me to put him on the church board. I told him, I said, I don't put friends on the church board. I put business people on the church board. Some of them I hardly know, but I know they love Jesus. I know they love the church and I know they are honest in their business. That's who I want on the church board. But I do my best not to become involved outside the church with my board members because I don't want to go out into some evening and discuss church business. And that seems like all we would talk about. And I told him, no, he got so angry at me because he thought he should be on the church board and becoming my friend. I would slide him right into that position when he didn't understand friends are over here and church board members are over here. I don't take out church board members and become that close of friends with them. We have Christmas parties together. We have, you know, the summertime parties together in the church. And once in a while, we have a, a evening meal together in the church. And so we sit and talk with each other then. But as far as just doing things together, I like friends I can find in the church. So again, I'm not one that just says you can't have friends from the congregation. But on the other hand, believe me, I don't, I do, you know, don't, I don't exclude that. I think friendship is one of those chemistries that just work and whether or not it's another pastor across town or a person that's on the, uh, you know, that, that's a teacher in the school or something while, you know, the Sunday schools or whatever, or a congregational member, that's fine. It's just the chemistries there, fine. I'm looking for someone like that. And my wife and I found that oftentimes in the ministry, it's hard to find a really good friend. So you can minimize this by bringing up the issues in ministry on how to handle disagreements in the church. I did that quite often. If you have a disagreement with somebody, don't come to pastor first of all, get it settled with them. It shouldn't even be brought up in the church among the staff and leadership unless you can't handle it there. So you have to tell people sometimes, that they'll gripe a lot, They'll but ask them, have they spoken to the person? If not, then don't come to me. Go to the person first of all, because this is what the scripture says to do. Let's go to question number seven. Question number seven was, show me how to help my kids grow up like normal kids. <laughs> I wish I could. I can tell you some things that we did that really helped. But question number seven, let me get back to it. Show me how to help my kids grow up to be like normal kids. I really worry about this glass house syndrome with my wife and children. I'm particularly worried that my children will see so much of the negative, they will grow up hating the church. I've seen it happen too many times. Yeah, I was a preacher's kid. I saw it happen with so many other preacher's kids that were my friends and that they grew up hating church and left church after a while. But the point of it is, is how do you 
teach your children about how to be in church. Understand this, be real with your children. They didn't choose this, this occupation, you did. God laid it on your heart and tell them, kids, I'm sorry, you didn't choose this, but you've been put into a position. But understand this, if it had been some other business, you still would be looking at me if I was in upper management or else I was the president of a company. Here I am, the pastor of this church. And people look at you like they that you should be automatically thinking about going in the ministry yourself. My son would tell me, Dad, everybody thinks I'm gonna be a pastor. They tell me that, they talk to me that I'm gonna be a pastor. Dad, do I have to be a pastor because you're a pastor? I said, no. I said, be whatever God tells you to be. In fact, if you have my opinion, I think you ought to be a businessman, make a lot of money and support your father and support the church. He laughed about it, I laughed about it, but I'm not so sure I wasn't you know, really kidding or not. The real thing is about let them be themselves. Tell them, be yourselves. You are no different than anyone else. They don't have to live in a fishbowl. They don't have to be on guard over everything they say. They don't have to be a minister in the church or they need to find their own personal call. So it comes back to this, just be yourself. God has a call for you if it is in this church. And my son's call was to pastor. Didn't know it till later. And he took over the church for eight years after I stepped down and today is an associate pastor at another church. And he loves the ministry. Why? Because he was around it. Not just that, but God called him, placed that call inside of himself and he loves doing it. But if God would have called him to be, you know, to start a company out there doing things, that would have been wonderful too. It comes back to this. They are individuals and tell them that and don't let the pressure of what other people have to say drive them. And on top of that, if people start to pressure him, tell them just to back off. I'm going to do what God wants me to do and leave it right there. So tell them to relax. The people have a problem, not your kids. When we come back, we'll take up question number eight. Have you ever wondered why some Christians who are obviously called and anointed by God never seem to move into the realm of success? We watch and wonder as they struggle, knocking on doors that never open, while others have opportunities knocking at their door. Why are so many called, but so few chosen? God has a ministry for everyone and he rewards those who are faithful to his call. Learn the keys to finding and walking in God's purpose for your life with Bob Yandian's book, Calling and Separation. The Calling and Separation book is available for $10 plus shipping and handling. To order your copy, visit our website at bobyandian.com. This newly revised and expanded handbook is packed with biblical wisdom and practical guidance from the pastoral trenches. It will help to equip and encourage you in your ministry. Bobby Endian, a veteran pastor of more than 30 years, provides answers to common questions relating to your everyday pastoral duties and personal life. In God's Word to Pastors, Revised and Expanded, Bob covers topics such as the First Pastors Conference in Acts 20, Passion versus Calling, Daily Schedules, Living a Balanced Life, Wolves After Your Sheep, The Glorious Church, Pastors Need Pastors, Whose flock do you pastor? Spiritual workaholics. Family before ministry. The pastor's heart and the bond of peace. Bob will help you apply timeless biblical wisdom to the issues and dynamics of today's pastoral ministry. To order God's Word to Pastors, visit our website at bobyandian.com. 
Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Ready to look at question number eight, but again, I want to admonish you. The book that's being offered is Calling and Separation, but I do have another book. Calling and Separation is good for anybody that's even involved in a church. You know, if you're if you're uh, working the front doors, if you are a greeter, usher, uh, an elder in the church, you know, working over, maybe you do oversee Sunday school classes, but you know you're never going to be a pastor, then Calling and Separation is great. But I also recommend if you are working in the church and perhaps you have some oversight position, I have a book and it's called in God's word to pastors. So when you order the other bit, be sure and look this one up because it will help you tremendously. So you don't have to be called to be a pastor to have this book, but you know what? There's so much pastoral responsibility in the church. And if you are an overseer, say over the uh, Sunday school department or over the, all the classes that go on, or you oversee the different uh, things in the church, such as uh, the feeding of people, uh, the, the clothing and, and helping people that are having marriage problems or counseling or whatever, you in essence are in a ministry position more than just somebody that opens the door and greets them or ushers them to a seat or uh, helps set up chairs if you need something done in a room. All that's necessary. But again, if you feel know that inside of yourself, you really do not have a call to the ministry per se, then that first book is great for you, Calling and Separation. But the one on, on uh, God's Word to Pastors is for anybody in the church, maybe again, not the full-blown pastor of the church, but anybody that's in a helps position under him, this will help you to understand people and the Again, the bulk of the book is telling you how to handle people. Well, we have three more questions to go. And question number eight is this, of the 10 things I wish I had been taught in Bible school, I wish I had been told to continue to date my wife. I was diligent in dating my wife before I became a pastor, but was so busy helping others with their needs, I neglected her. I almost lost my marriage. She felt so alone as I tried to meet everyone's needs but her. Let me just tell you some things about this. Because God has called you into the ministry doesn't mean your wife is called in the ministry. She's called to be your wife. You know, I came up in, in uh, Pentecostal churches. Pastor's wife were expected to play the piano, sing in the choir, and teach a class for women. That was just a natural thing that was taught of them. My wife didn't want any of that except in the music a little. She wanted to get involved with praise and worship some, but she did not want to teach classes and these types of things. And she didn't want to play the piano because she didn't play an instrument. She didn't mind singing once in a while with the choir or with the praise and worship leaders. But I, listen, when I got up there, and here's the thing, they want to do that with the wife and not pay her. That's the main thing that happens in so many churches. They expect if they hire you, she comes along with the package. And I told them, no. When I first took the church, I said, listen to me, my wife, the main thing she's going to do is raise the children and raise me. I'm still a child in many areas, and I need my wife to, above all, be a wife. I said, I'm so tired of being in the ministry and finding out that pastor's kids end up being wild and running away and running from God and getting involved in crime and other things like that and, and hating the church. I said, I don't want that to happen. I said, you know why that happens? Because they're neglected by parents that are way too busy and involved in the church. I said, my wife, her number one job is going to be to take care of those children and take care of me when I get home and be my 
wife and be the mother for these children. And you know what? Our kids are wonderful. They grew up loving God and their kids love God. And that's the point of the whole thing. And so what happens oftentimes though, is as you as a pastor, forget your wife and you're just dealing with the church all the time, you throw your wife into a terrible position. It's almost like the church becomes the other woman. You're more in love with this woman over here than you are your wife and your wife finds herself competing. Your wife finds herself depressed, doesn't know what to do. And she can't go slap a church like she can slap at a, at a flirting lady with you. What's she gonna do? She finds herself in that position and husbands, pastors of churches, those in any leadership position in church, a church is so easily to get in involved in and work so hard in, it consumes your life. And after a while you realize I didn't have to do this much. I could have said no to many things, especially those that begin to rob me of my time with my family. You had your wife before you pastored and you're still gonna have your wife after you step down. If you're an associate pastor, if you're one that runs departments of the churches, you had your wife before you pastored that area and you will still have her after you step down from this position. Whatever you're doing in the churches, is temporary, but marriage is not. Next to God himself, you have your married partner longer than anything else. Then your position in the church comes after that. There's a time you start your position in the church. There's a time you end your position in the church, but probably you were married before then. You'll still be married afterwards. Understand this. What happens when this ministry is one day gone and I am retired or whatever, and I have to look at my wife and we have to learn to love each other all over again? Why would you have to do that? Date your wife, but understand this. This is not something we can teach in Bible school. This is not something you find in books, although there's some good books out there. It's something you just need to wake up to once in a while and realize, evaluate yourself. Am I getting way too involved? Let's talk to your wife and ask her, wives, you that are involved in, in church, maybe your husband has a job outside the church, you know, he, he's a manager somewhere or works in some corporation, whatever, you're involved in the church and you can find yourself actually, because once you get involved, they keep putting more on you, putting more on you, there comes a point where you say no, and you realize something, you wanna, you wanna really get your head screwed on straight? Husbands, talk to your wives. Wives, talk to your husbands. Bring these things up and talk them out and tell them what you really want. Sometimes we're not uh, open enough or brave enough to bring up the issue. So again, that's what's brought up. You had your wife before you pastored and ministry, you'll still have her later. Just open up and talk. Question number nine was this, or point number nine is this, of the 10 things I wish they would have taught me in Bible school. Number nine, someone needed to tell me about the expectation of being omnipresent. I had no idea that people expected me to be at so many meetings, so many church socials, so many sports and civic functions. It's impossible to meet all those expectations. So I left some folks disappointed or mad. Start from the beginning. If you take over a church and they're expecting you to do all these things, tell the congregation you are human. You are not Superman and you're not God. You cannot disappear and then reappear over her. In the service or at the office, you are their pastor. But after that, your family is the most important thing of all. You will attend the events you choose and not attend those you choose not to. So tell the people, if you get upset with me for not being at your baseball game for your son or your graduation for this or that, understand I love you. But on top of that, I have a life to live myself. And I have a, I have a wife, I have children, I have things like that and things that we wanna do. There was a time one time, I was getting ready to take a vacation. We had the air 
tickets bought and all this kind of stuff. And we were just getting ready to, we had our luggage. We we're all rolling them out the door. Me and my wife and two kids were getting ready to go on vacation. We'd planned all this time. When I got to the front door, the phone rang. I thought, oh, should I answer? Should, okay, I'll answer it. You know what? Somebody was on the phone that I thought, I asked him, how did you get my number? They said, I called your sister and she gave it to me, but I'm so desperate, I've got to talk to you. My wife just walked out the door. I need someone to come over here and talk to her. She'll listen to you, Pastor, but she won't listen to anybody else. I hate that kind of pressure when people do that. What he was doing was trying to pressure me. And I said, no, we're on vacation. He said, you're supposed to come to me. I am a member of the congregation. Our life is falling apart. And I, I said, he stopped, said, sir, this didn't start today. She didn't just walk out the door. This has been going on for some time and you have not got any help up until now, but now the moment that the bottom drops out, you want me to come. I said, I'm not coming. I said, I will call the church on the way to the airport and tell them you're gonna call them. I'm not gonna do it. I said, well, I'm gonna call and tell them anyway because I'm not coming. And there's people at the church that do this every single day. I don't do this every day. They're more up to date on what you should do. And if she won't talk to me, you put her in the car and take her over there because you're more interested in your marriage than who exactly she talks to. And he's finally backed off. And so I said, I'm gonna call him. I went, I got, and I said, once I'm on vacation, I'm gonna call the church and ask if you called. And I did, and he called. And I said, what happened? They both came and they both started listening and they're starting to get their act together. And you know what? Their marriage became successful and it didn't take me. So don't have all these people pressure you. Finally, the last one is this, number 10. I really needed help knowing how to minister to dying people. Some of those who have terminal diseases, have such a strong faith, and they ministered to me. But many of them are scared and have questions I've never anticipated. I was totally unprepared for these pastoral care issues when I first became a pastor. Well, this is something you're going to face. You know, again, in school, here's what many schools did, and I thought was interesting. They would actually roll a casket in, and they would ask the students to prepare to, you know, do this, and that's fine, but I can tell you this, what you do is you think, well, from now on, now I know how to handle a, uh, you know, I now know how to handle a funeral. Well, that's not true. No two people are the same. Some people that die are faithful to God, love the church. Others, they attend once in a while and some don't attend at all. But the people that are in the family are trying to force you to say, this person knew Jesus as Lord and Savior, but you don't know. And a lot of the people you talk to, they're saying, no, nah, they didn't know Jesus, man. They were just rounders and stuff. The wife's trying to make it that way so that you know he doesn't look bad in front of everybody. You can preach a funeral and preach a salvation message to those attending, mention some of the accomplishments of this guy without actually saying he was saved. But you can tell the congregation that if they're saved, they're gonna to go to heaven. If they're not saved, they're not gonna to go to heaven and present it. In fact, I think that funerals are one of the greatest places to have an altar call of all. There's often people get married in a wedding, they want you to have an altar call. It's hard to work an altar call into a wedding, but simple to put it into a funeral because everybody that's there is looking at the casket up front or whatever, and they're knowing at that point, this person's gone on to eternity and my time is coming soon. And even though you might have 20 year olds or 30 years olds out there, they're still thinking, I had friends that died in car accidents at my age. And the older people are thinking, you know what? Here I am in my seventies and, and, and now I'm watching this happen right here. My time is short. 
Everyone is thinking about eternity when they come to that funeral. So again, that's an easy thing to do. So I would often say this too. You maybe haven't had that much experience working with people that are having, you know, uh, end of life experiences and they're scared and, and, and they don't know what to do. Make friends with seasoned pastors in your city or in call them on the phone or talk to them personally and ask them what to do. Because you know what, even though you may be this and that's a Baptist down the street, you're this, it's a Presbyterian down the street, those issues face all pastors pastors, especially, and what you want to do is find them that believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. You have to receive him. And how do you work that into a sermon when you're not sure if this guy knew Jesus Christ or not? So again, making friends with seasoned pastors is important. And then also there's good books available, good audio teachings. You can even Google on how to do this. And it comes up from other ministers, not from secular people. So I'm simply saying there's a lots of help out there. And of these 10 issues, that one really, again, was one that hit me because I'd never done funerals before, even had to do my own father's funeral. And it was one of the best funerals because I knew he knew Jesus and all of this. So when you're dealing with people, terminal illnesses, all this, you can develop what's inside of you. And that's love and help for people. But oftentimes you have to start by looking for seasoned people around you that know how to help you and become a great blessings in your own church, toward yourself, toward your people, and toward those who come to visit your church. This has been great. I've enjoyed doing it. Be sure to get a copy of the book, again, Calling and Separation. And for those of you also that are in the full-time ministry or those that work in a church and you work around the church also, the book on God's Word to Pastors. So see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.